everyone, and thank you for listening to Pierre Pierre Podcast. Welcome back. On this show, I talk to musicians about their process, how they make music, how they write songs, and also how they deal with the pressure that we're all under these days because of our political situation. Whatever side you're on, we're all being smushed like Luke Skywalker in the garbage compactor in the first Star Wars movie by all these forces of propaganda and nonsense and real concerns and anxiety. It's all swirling together in this disgusting and beautiful cesspool called American American democracy. On this episode, I'm going to talk to Mira Cook. She's a singer, musician, dancer. She's married to my good friend, Mike Messini, who's a DJ, a musician, and a man about town. So I've enjoyed getting to know Mira over the years. She has a really cool style of performance where she loops everything live She does a live performance of an original song on this show using her setup, which is a Boss Loop Station, a Juno synth, and a Roland SBD-11 drum machine. All of it is looped live, and it's really cool the way she does it. So if you think, why does that sound so great? It sounds like a recording. It's actually being done live. Ever since I've known Mira, she's always up to something interesting. She tours the world as a dancer, and she makes really interesting music. She's always working on something new and creative, and... Her vibe is just very confident and positive, and I find it really inspiring in these times that we're living through. So I hope you enjoy my conversation with her. But before we get into that conversation, I just have to say it's coming up on the midterm elections. Please go out and vote. Look at your calendar. Mark November 6th. Have a specific plan about how you're going to vote, when you're going to vote. If you can't do it on November 6th, go right now and get an absentee ballot. One of the things I like to do when I'm trying to figure out what's going on in this country right now is I like to listen to right-wing radio. There's a radio station in my area that has a couple of different DJs. I think it pipes in Rush Limbaugh. He's kind of a crackpot, but there's some other guy named um, Knucklehood Knuckleberry. That's not his real name. I forget his name, but he seems a little more uh, committed to actually getting all sides of the story. And so I listen to this radio station to try to figure out what's going on with uh, conservatives. And Right now I'm hearing there's this overwhelming concern on the right that the left is getting so angry. People are are acting out. People are just getting out of control on the left. So that is hilarious because it means that they're worried about it because the left is finally showing some, you know, chutzpah and responding appropriately to the level of oppression that is being foisted upon the American people. So The anger, whether it be protesting, speaking out, maybe shaming some people at a restaurant, all these things that are perfectly legal, I think it's great. Keep doing it. But the most important thing to do is once you get angry is to vote and get those people out of power because shaming them, protesting, all that stuff, it's not going to do a goddamn thing. You need to vote them out of power. But anger is a really appropriate response at sickness. We've been diagnosed with a basically potentially fatal illness in this country and so we need to get that sickness out of the body and it doesn't mean we don't love the body you still love america but you're really angry at what's going on with it so you're trying to get rid of that disease by voting it out so good job stay angry and fight and another way to show your anger and show your concern is to vote for people who show compassion so vote for people who are on the side of higher wages, health care reform, education, unions, 
veteran rights, including ending unnecessary wars, gun safety, reproductive rights, election reform, including ending the Electoral College and fighting gerrymandering, respect for all religions, including atheism, immigration reform, and the list goes on and on. Vote for people who are on the side of compassion. And then another thing I would say, a good way to operate to know that you're voting for the right person is if the person you're voting for is being investigated for a crime and is actively trying to thwart that investigation, that's probably not a good person to vote for. I don't care if that person is Republican, Tea Party, communist, socialist, uh, basket weaving party. Don't vote for people who are being investigated and are trying to avoid that investigation. If you get a call from the IRS and they say they want to audit you and you hang up on them, they're going to call you back. If you hang up on them four or five times, they're going to come to your house. If you say, I don't want to show you anything, they're going to look deeper. They're probably going to cart you away and look through your emails and find your receipts. If you hide something from the government or from the police, they're not going to walk away. We have a bunch of politicians whose response to being investigated is to thwart that investigation. That says very clearly, I'm guilty. Don't look at me because I'm guilty. So don't vote for those people. Those people are not the answer. The other thing I would say is that we should all start looking at each other on the right and the left with compassion. We're all in this together. We're all being victimized to some extent by this very, very broken system. So let's have compassion for each other and everyone, no matter what side you're on, just vote for the good people. And I think we'll be better off. Or write a really cool song, if that's what you do. Please enjoy my conversation with Mira Cook. You got you moved here in 2010 from Texas? From uh, San Francisco. From San Francisco. And you yeah. lived in San Diego for a while before that? Yep, I lived in San Diego for five years, and San Francisco for three years. Okay. Came out here. And before that, Austin, Texas. Yeah, I lived in Texas till I was 20. Nice. It was nice. Austin is great. I love it. It's a good town. I love it. Yeah, we're thinking of going back sometime. It's real hot. <laughs> yeah. This is Mira Cook. We're talking to Mira Cook. We're, we're talking right now. This we're talking. Yeah. Um, thanks for doing this. Oh, I'm really glad to do it. It's great. You're the it's first um, woman guest, which is good. And it's a pretty crazy time right now in America. It's yeah. kind of a bummer. It's a real bummer, actually. We just had, they just um, confirmed Judge Kavanaugh to the Supreme right. Court, which is a giant fucking bummer. And it's just, a bummer. And um, yeah, unfortunately, I'm not super surprised. Yeah. But it's a, a big bummer. Where it's kind of like, to me, it feels like um, another fuck you to like the women of the world, which is so depressing. Because, like, Trump being elected was, like, the biggest one, like, a big giant one, kind of. Yeah, I mean, it's, for me, it's the whole thing is just super confusing because, yeah. yeah, I mean, he's somebody that I look at and even on mute with just the body language and everything, you can just tell from a million miles away that it's somebody that I don't, I'm not going to like, that I think looks bogus. Right. And seems to be real pompous, you know, right. without even hearing... You don't have to the hear audio, anything come out of his so mouth. So I can't believe how people are taking him seriously. Right. Um, and it is serious, of course. I take it seriously, too. But it's just totally 
confusing for me to think that, you know, people are going along with that. Yeah. Are you talking about Trump or about Kavanaugh? Trump. Oh, yeah. And then the Kavanaugh thing, I don't, I mean, it's just, there's a long series of stuff. I don't take it too personally. Yeah, you can't. And I feel like I work in a field and I've had a lot of women bosses and have a lot, you know, pretty empowered. I, I don't feel like I'm paid less than, you know, some of my colleagues and stuff. It's not like something that I'm mad about. Right. Um, but it is a thing. And I don't know. It's some. Sometimes I have to ignore certain things. For sure. I mean, the Kavanaugh thing is like, ugh, you know, just, ugh, and I'm not that surprised. Yeah, I hear you. And you do have to go, get on with your life and, like, just live. And well, just believe that things are going to change slowly and do your best and, yeah. like, have a resilient attitude as part of it. Right. I don't want to feel like a victim. That's for, actually, Just for being a woman, and I don't. Right. And that's part of doing a that's part of actually changing things for the better is just personally being a more positive person and keeping yeah. your head up. Yeah, and my parents raised me that way. It wasn't like I had a different role than a man or something. Right. So in my mind it's always been not not very forward in my mind. Right. Yeah, I know. And it's but it's just it seems like the administration we have now is trying to take away certain understandings and rights of women that have just been fought for and clearly accepted by everyone. Oh, yeah, the whole abortion thing, too. That's really... Yeah. That's going to be real crazy, maybe. We'll see. I don't know. I'm just going to pretend like that's not going to happen. Yeah, I know, exactly. <laughs> for now. Yeah, exactly. For now, until we... That's a good... Until we get to a more pressing moment. There's no reason to worry about something that we don't know anything about or we don't know what's going to happen. There's just other things to worry about. Right now, there's the midterm elections to worry about. Those yeah. have to... There's, it's like you I said, mean, you're there's from Texas. too many things to worry about. That's yeah. why, in some ways, it's kind of for my own mental health just to block out a lot of it. Because there's just... There's something new every day, you know? There's always a scandal or something that's trying to grab your attention. There's always a presidential scandal going yeah, on or something connected with day. the office. And it's so exhausting and... You know, half the time it just seems so stupid and not really worthy of my attention. So I want to go back. So we just jumped right into this like pretty heavy yeah. and, and negative <laughs> thing. Let's go back. So Mira, you're a singer, songwriter, musician, dancer, and uh, you do so much stuff. Like you're a very creative person. I'm very in the arts. Yeah, you are. You're all <laughs> I'm over. All, I'm all in the arts. <laughs> and you're also about to have a baby, which is a very yeah. creative thing to do. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited and yeah. nervous. And in about a month, right? Yeah, my due date's um, November 3rd. That's amazing. I mean, it's right before... I, I can't help but think about the... I hope that for your baby's birthday, we get to flip uh, the Senate and the House to the Democrats. It's, <laughs> I really do think it's going to swing back. Yeah, it has it's to. It's just it kind of wild and we don't know stressful when. right now. And oh, yeah. I don't know. It's. I think things are just going to swing all over the place. But you know, people like you just create art and keep making beautiful things, and it's like that's the way of being in the world. That's just like a. Well, that's how I can be happy. Right. And share something that means something to me. So I want to go back to like uh, your musical up, uh, sort of how you started. What was did you? What was your first instrument that you learned how to play? And I um, I started uh, piano lessons in second grade. It was like this program that you could do after school where you take a 10-minute lesson every day 
We did Suzuki Method. That's where you learn by ear, mm-hmm. and you don't have to get too bogged down in music theory until you've already like developed your hand coordination a bit, which is, for an eight-year-old, that's kind of a gift. It's since great. It's, you know, they don't want to totally focus on music theory right away. Right. It's too little. So, and I just got really into it. I got super into it. Um, so you were eight and you were taking Suzuki Method piano yeah. lessons? That's yeah. great. And I just um, continued that. But you do learn how to write. You do, you do learn where to put your fingers in the right position. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, I mean, they still go through theory and they still yeah. have the finger numbers and you have yeah. to um, observe, you know, how to do the correct finger numbering and everything. And they'd use, they use music. Right. We have books of music, but... Um, right. It's just a little more gentle. My kids are taking piano lessons right now. They're six and a half, and yeah. they're starting, and they're, it's pretty amazing to watch them. I thought it was amazing, and I love the sound of the piano, too. And I had been in ballet since I was five or even younger, so the the piano music's always on, and sometimes there's a live pianist, so I already was really attracted to the just the sound of the music because... You had the option at my school to take violin or piano, and it, I was clearly going to take piano, not mm-hmm. violin. Even though violin, of course, is beautiful, but you had because of your. So that actually leads me to another question: like dance and music have always been intertwined for you. Like, like it sounds like you started dance at five, ballet. Yeah, I mean, I started dance before that, but it was you know they do kid movement kind of mm-hmm. uh, creative movement, and then I started ballet training at five or six, where you're actually doing technique in french and it's very structured mm-hmm. um yeah well it's just naturally intertwined you don't have to you know it just well obviously it is intertwined but for it, you like you're hearing the piano and you're thinking i could be doing that too yeah <laughs> and i was i mean i had such a romance with the music and the ballet music is has all the tchaikovsky mm-hmm. and watching that as a little girl and you see the ballerina it's the music and the whole grandness of it and the ballerina and it's just really caught my imagination when you think about music do you think about i want to make music that i can dance to or do you think i want to dance to the music music that i've already made <laughs> which comes first i know that doesn't make yeah sense. i don't know um maybe the second one but i don't think anything um i can't uh plan what i'm gonna write and i don't also know how to construct a style i didn't start writing my own music until i was um probably 22 oh really yeah so i just studied piano i only studied for four years and at that point i knew enough where i could buy sheet music and i would just learn whatever song that i wanted something classical i learned pretty hard pieces um and we had a piano in the house my parents had bought a piano for me so i would just learn whatever um suited me at the time slowly and um yeah i always was really into live music i had a lot of friends in bands i didn't think i was i was never in the band i never had asked to be in a band i wasn't interested maybe but um i would always go to music shows so i was like a music culture kind of gal like you know indie Mm -hmm. shows and whatever hip-hop right punk rock yeah Whatever was happening. I was in high school in the 90s, so... In Texas? Whatever was... Yeah. Yeah. You kind of There was get, a lot of music, right, in Austin? A lot of good yeah. music coming through? Yeah. I mean, but not so much that you will miss a show. You, you'll you go to every band that comes through because there's not that many. Okay. You'll see you'll great. kind of... Everybody will Unless go. Unless it's South by Southwest. 
<laughs> yeah. Then it's like everybody would go. There's there was a lot of underage venues in Austin, which was great, and everybody you know would kind of go to these yeah. certain shows, and it would be fun. What were some of your shows that you remember that you loved from being um, a kid or younger? Yeah. What did I see? I, I was kind of hanging out with indie people and hip. I used to listen to like hip hop too. I saw um, Atmosphere is a rapper from mm-hmm. Minnesota that was having a big moment. I saw them at this like dingy, stuffy place over on East Riverside, which is kind of a dank zone. Sweet. <laughs> and I used Perfect. to see shows at this place called Emos would always have. I know, I remember um, Emos. Yeah, it's still, still there. Still there, right? Yeah. Now it's a mo- way more of a big time venue. Yeah. What did I see there? A lot of indie bands. So, and I had a lot of friends that had bands, and they would be playing at emos too, mm-hmm. like my high school friends. And so, there was some ska bands, and who knows? Do you remember, like, when you thought I, I want to do this? Like, I could write a song, or I could make this happen. I yeah, I came about it from a weird angle because really, what happened at. Um, I had moved to San Diego and I was doing an apprenticeship at a ballet company and um, me and a good friend were trying to do choreography and presented at a coffee shop, basically. Mm -hmm. And I had a friend in San Diego who was a composer and he did really nice work and he was going to make a score for some kind of like real casual coffee shop performance that we were trying to get our work out there or whatever, you know, just starting and uh, my friend that made this nice music, he was such a flake. And he would always <laughs> say, like, oh, yeah, I'll definitely have it to you by Friday at 2 p.m. And then, of course, he doesn't answer the phone on that day. And, you know, I, I just got to this point with him where I was so frustrated um, that I was, like, uh, willing to move to personal tape experiments to <laughs> uh, I just got mad I was like you know what maybe I know I could do something and um, another thing that happened right at that time was um, I had my wisdom teeth taken out and uh, the first surgery I got it got all messed up and uh, then I had to have another surgery so I had all this time when I was laid up on painkillers oh yeah <laughs> so that's where the tape experiment that's thing great. really took and off that's awesome so I was like, like just uh, just laying around the house and <laughs> what do you mean by tape experiments um, like four I track had a, stuff no I didn't even have a four track it was more primitive than that I had a tape deck with yeah. two with two um, tape decks two, yeah like one of those big stereos that have double yeah, yeah yeah it has two and mm-hmm. it has a high speed dub and a yeah. whatever and then I had a handheld recorder yeah and I was um, miking yeah. the first tape. I love that. That's what I was doing. Recorder. It's like primitive four tracking. Exactly. You're, you've got a mic on one tape while another one's uh, Exactly. Playing. And then you just switch the tapes back the and tapes forth. And you just keep getting more and more noise yeah. and hiss. Yeah. yeah it's, like, it's a ton of hiss. Yeah. It's great, though. Um, Do you have some of those? It does sound great. Yeah. I have some old ones of those. Um and I mean, I think a lot of people thought that his was real charming. I kind of did, but it wasn't my intention. I wasn't trying to. Make but you did the first one for music. a dance performance that your dude just flaked out. I think the dude actually came through, and yeah. I just ended up making some songs. But because I was um, real into music already, I had a bunch of friends around San Diego too that um, were making music, playing music out, like and. Who? Um, 
I had some real um, good friends that were in this band called Olive Research, which wasn't a band that was around all that long. Okay. But those um, guys were around a lot. And now... um, So, one of the people in Olive Research was my friend Roy Silverstein, and he lived in a house, and they would play shows there. He had a house venue. It was called The Habitat. Oh. And so... Sounds familiar. So this must be like early 2000s or something? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe 2004, 2003. Yeah. So anyway, within making these like real crude tape experiments, I was able to play out and have a show like f- five or six months later. That's great. Yeah, um, because my friend had a venue and because I was hanging out with music people. And so how did, um, so you started doing that by looping yourself and doing the tapes? Yeah, and then- I had one of those... Yeah, I ended up getting a Boss Loop Station, one of those okay. two-pedal ones. Yeah. That was already... See, that was... It was good timing, too, yeah. because those the were just... The technology was... Yeah, it was prevalent yeah. and That's enough. So cool. Like, where everybody would be like, oh, you know what you need is were you in, a loop station. Were you uh, into any of the people who, you know, did looping live? Like, was that something I that saw, influenced you? Um, I saw a pinback show where he was um, doing some vocal looping that oh, was... Oh, really? Yeah, and wow. I don't I don't hear that on their records a lot, but I remember being real stunned, and it was really beautiful. He, he has a beautiful looping. voice. Oh, he's amazing. Rob he has a Crow. beautiful voice. Yeah, and beautiful yeah. melodies, of course. He's so. fantastic, yeah. Um, I didn't know he did live looping I think it was stage. just for one part of the regular But he's had all these the regular projects song. where he probably does it, like Dr. Oct. Mr. Yeah. Octagon or whatever. Do- octagonally yours. Octagonally yours. That's it. That's yeah, I saw I saw that that's... project one time at a house. I think, and I didn't know what I was walking into, and I was uh, really struck by that project. That was really fun. And he was all the kind heavy of... vegetable before that. I don't know if you remember that band. I I think time. it was a little bit before me, but definitely Pinback was. Everybody was real into Pinback. I'm really into Pinback. They're great. Pierre Prescher podcast vous est présenté par la pression, la répression. La dépression, la suppression, et la révolution. But so, as far as like loopers, like if I were to name like the big people, Tune Yards. Do you yeah. know that? Yeah. Do yeah. Yeah. Like I like Tune Yards a lot. Yeah. Um, it's similar. I was looping before I heard her music, right. and then um, whenever she started getting popular, definitely people would rec- uh, were mentioning it to me. Okay. And I saw her play a show in San Francisco, probably. 2009 or so and it was great and but I, it was like you weren't influenced by her because you had already seen that and it's something you I just was already did going with it yeah. I was already playing uh, by that time I was playing a lot of shows and you were just always solo right or you did you ever have bands no so it I was didn't. always like by necessity like I'm gonna loop this stuff and I'm gonna do everything yeah I don't know it's just the way it worked out honestly it's cool there was times when I thought or tried to recruit people to do some drums or something and i don't know it just never exactly worked out um and i it, it, there is something nice about being autonomous and moving at your own pace because yeah. i like sometimes you know you just need to like plow forward and sometimes you need to chill there's like there's a lot of people yeah that i was friends with that helped me and you know liked my music and was able to get a little bit of a foothold. I moved to San Francisco, and yeah, I had a friend that asked me to play a show, like to as part of his like film opening, and there was a ton of people there, and you know, just every little thing like that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let's hear a song. Let's hear a live song. What song are you gonna play? I'm gonna play a really brand new song. It's pretty much from last week. Yeah, it's just brand you just, new. It, you just unearthed it. Cool. What's it called? 
It's called Take the Easy Way. All right, let's hear it. Mira Cook playing Take the Easy Way. Sana, 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 how this stuff is built like how you decide how to loop everything what comes in when and you know yeah like i said i'm not super conscious about um how i'm building things i usually just go real intuitively and that's where using a loop pedal can be really handy is it's super fast i'm not in a recording program i don't have to go back and listen you can just press the button and just kind of try adding something and delete it if you don't like it um, so I usually just experiment to write new songs. But so... And I'm, I'm kind of looping it live in my, you know, home studio area. But so, like, you're super comfortable with the looping. Like, the thing that freaks me out about looping is if you mess up, 
you're kind of screwed like that, so- yeah. that sound is there i don't know it depends on the well, software or how you're doing it I yeah guess. the more i you know things have advanced and now the version of loop pedal that i have has five tracks and you can take off the most recent mm. layer of any track so if you do something if you, you mess up you can actually undo it live yeah oh, but you good. need to be fast it's not you like you fast. you don't want everybody staring at you and right. then have to oh whoops go back and yeah. then and then it's just the song has not nothing has happened only something was taken away and <laughs> right. everybody still heard the mistake right. there's definitely been times when i just hit a bum note on the keyboard yeah. and it's like uh, der, but <laughs> unless you want to hear the bum note the whole rest of the song you just undo it right but so you've become super comfortable with just yeah it's building, kind of intense looping. but that's what i'm used to now it's such um, a cool process it's like just it's such an art form i love it yeah i started singing kind of the bass for that song i somehow i started singing it in the car um the real story behind that song is that um so right now I'm in my ninth month of pregnancy. Yes. And up until real recently, the baby was breech. Okay. Was not head down, which I didn't think was a big deal until you start talking to your doctor. And then all of a sudden they're talking about C-sections and stuff. Yeah. And I did, was having a bad time thinking about that. Right. And so and everybody just said, well, why don't you just ask your baby to turn down? Or why don't you just talk to your baby so i was like thinking like oh why don't you just song take the, to your baby yeah like, like why don't you just take the easy way like that'll be so much easier like for birth both is of the us easy way out but it's easier for the baby maybe not so easy for you but it's the way you want it to happen i'll tell you now this seems like uh just having a regular delivery is going to be like a easy i mean it's not going to be easy but right to me that seems like a much much um less intimidating thought than having to schedule a surgery i know i understand like we went through that with my wife and it's just such a bummer like you don't you're not always in control of how things work out and the babies aren't always pointing the right way and it's yeah. a dra- it's a drag but i love that so idea I was kind of, of you um, talking to your baby and now i feel like i know what the baby's so name is maybe but we don't <laughs> but we don't know really it's it's i was just kind of singing in the car you know what i mean and yeah. um but really i always try to leave a lot of um openness in the lyrics of songs because really it's sort of also just about being flexible and being able to change your mind or being mm-hmm. able to evaluate like is is it easier to dig your heels in and always um thwart you know what's going on or is it easier sometimes just to go with the flow hmm. or you know yeah uh, just to be flexible yeah i mean it gets back to like what we were talking about at the beginning about just we're in really trying times politically just socially like in this country and sometimes you need to just be take care of yourself and be positive and that's the best thing you can do for for everybody <laughs> right everybody involved yeah go with the flow yeah i mean and not not that you should cave in or anything no. but um we've all been just... fighting really hard and it's pretty exhausting yeah <laughs> yeah just to step back and evaluate if you should you know change something or what's in your best interest so has the baby flipped yet the baby flipped no yeah. way seriously yeah, she flipped. that's amazing after yeah. you performed the song um no but i have been practicing it and i also wow. went to a chiropractor and i mean i think i That's think she amazing. was just gonna flip on her own anyway wow. it's just that you know you're always getting compared to an average pregnancy and anyway right. they have you on a time frame that may or may not be yours right and so 
I think she was going to flip anyway, but I mean, I talked to her a lot about it. <laughs> That's great. Good job, baby. Yeah, exactly. That's cool. Exactly. Your baby's an acrobat or a dancer like you. Possibly. Yeah, I've been performing. And right, you've been performing a lot. She's been performing too. Right. She's been performing music and dance and it's been loud and I can't imagine how loud it must be for her when I'm bellowing. You know? <laughs> That's amazing. She's in an echo chamber right below my lungs, touching my lungs. Right. Right. That's incredible. Like those experiences so. are in there. They're going to be in there forever. Like who knows? I mean, we don't have conscious memories of these things, but they're definitely yeah, formative. There. Yeah. It's amazing. You've been really just intrepid with continuing to do performing and dancing yeah i've tried to i think this is um yeah i like i was saying earlier that's gonna be easier to do it now than afterward perhaps <laughs> after she comes out then i'm gonna need to stay home more maybe or, i don't know maybe I mean, not for a while, I, I don't know how it'll be <laughs> for a while but people everyone i mean i was terrified of having kids because of playing music and being creative i thought oh you won't have time. Yeah, but it's it's not really like that. I mean, it definitely takes its toll. But if you're whoever you are, you you still are. You're still going to be that yeah. person, and you're going to do it. You're going to do things more, and it's going to be different. Yeah, I mean, I definitely cu- couldn't stop and do right. nothing. I just can't do it. PR Pressure Podcast brought to you by Rubber Bands. There's some really nice venues in Brooklyn. Yeah. And there's more and more coming up and there's all these great places that I'm excited to play and it's pretty easy to set up, you know, small shows. So yeah. I figure I should just go ahead and it's caused me to write more songs because I feel like I don't want to present the same material to the same friends that come see me. So yeah, it helps motivate me. That's great. It's so cool. And like, so I want to hear more. I wanted to ask you more about battery dance. You did there was a documentary made about you guys that's your dance company that you've been involved with for yeah i've been working for battery dance for eight years Mm -hmm. and um we do it's a small company there's five dancers and we do uh extensive touring like tons and tons of touring and we have a teaching program that is um, mostly used with um i guess underprivileged youth Anyway, it's a program that's very open and is um, very possible to do with people that have never set foot in a dance studio and don't have any relationship to fine art dance. That's amazing. What a great program. And you travel all over the place and and work with kids, like you said, who are Yeah, I think that with Battery, I've been to to more than 40 countries in the last eight years. I mean, they really travel. Wow. Um, yeah, and had some really incredible experiences and really tough experiences too. Yeah. But it's been really eye opening. And of course, it broadens your perspective so much to be able to just see things from other cultural points of view. And I think the other points of view are real, real different. Yeah. You know, in Asia and Africa. Right. And um, South America. So it's really refreshing to just sometimes look at things from their perspective and how would you say like are are there countries you go to when you think we could definitely learn from this like for our own the way we do things in america or what are some things that you can take away from other countries that you admire yeah definitely um i don't 
I don't always try to just compare us and say one's better than the other, but there's just really different ways of looking at things um, for better or worse. It does kind of sometimes make the U.S. or, well, in Europe especially, look very organized because sometimes <laughs> right. you go places and there's just not a there's no concern for time or organization or right. space or anything. But then sometimes you think of how nice that could be too. Right. In Africa, everybody uh, uses the phrase African time, which just means whenever, whenever, <laughs> two hours later, never, Yeah. <laughs> maybe in 10 minutes, you know, whenever. But it's somehow it's refreshing too that to think that people aren't running around looking up their watches and freaking out, you know, and mm-hmm. have also an attitude of like, hey, you know what? I'm on my way. Or if right. it happens, it happens. And, right. You know, which can also be infuriating. <laughs> yeah, and so there was a documentary made about about that uh, yeah. dance company called Moving Stories. Yeah, there's a team that started following us in 2013, and they followed us for four years. Um, and they filmed us in several different countries. They were kind of using us to get... Um, they were using us as a gateway to meeting these um, students that had real intense um, backgrounds and some real stories to tell. So the place that I'm kind of featured is in um, Bucharest, Romania. Mm-hmm. There is a really, really large um, Roma gypsy population there, and they're completely alienated from society. They're they're extremely unincorporated mm-hmm. in normal jobs. I think maybe in different countries, the Roma have different positions. Um, and in, yeah, there's huge Roma slums hmm. and the kids are not sent to school usually and um, not offered any employment. And it's, um, it's, you know, it's a hard situation. Mm. And you went there and you danced, you worked with them and did dancing with them. I worked with a group um, that was composed of young, maybe some people were 10. It was like 10 to 14-year-olds that were from Roma communities. And then the other half of my group was a hip-hop crew. Wow. Who were maybe in their early 20s. And they had this TV show that they did every every Tuesday night or something on local TV. And they were kind of um, famous in Bucharest because they were like these cool hip-hop kids and then the other half is like these tiny skinny street roma um so it was a real interesting mix and actually was just really sweet and um it wasn't such a hard group for me because the hip-hop dancers were real mentors towards the roma and the roma as soon as they looked at the hip-hop dancers they knew exactly who it was and they were like oh, starstruck wow. oh wow so they they were on their absolute best behavior what's the language like what, what was there a language barrier or they romanian. all speak the same they romanian? speak romanian okay. okay and how do you deal with that do people speak english i have a translator oh okay but yeah sometimes things get misconstrued mm-hmm. and, yeah there's all kinds of trouble that can happen via translator or if you're or sometimes your translator isn't good Right. Or sometimes your translator doesn't show up. Right. <laughs> or a lot of times there's, yeah, there's too many languages in the room mm-hmm. that only, you know, a few people are really hearing what you're saying. 
And then you just have to dance, which is the language that everyone understands. Yeah, and everybody always says that, oh, you don't need to, you don't really need the translator, you're just dancing, but the workshops take place for five hours a day, right. and I mean, there's only so much miming, you have to explain <laughs> stuff, right, too. Right, um, and so the, the film was, it came out, and it was screened at MoMA, I think, and it, yeah, it premiered at it? MoMA, mm-hmm. and right now it's making the rounds at festivals. Okay. So, moving it's, stories, yeah, moving stories is being shown in California right now. It's gonna, it's actually right now. It's at Mill Valley Film Festival, and um, next week it's at the San Francisco Dance Film Festival, and um, they're, you know, they're trying to get it into as many places as possible. And it's, it also was screened in Oregon last week they're doing a lot with it so um i think you know we're hoping for more distribution after that and the movie's really nice actually i saw a trailer it looked proud of it honestly i just didn't know if it was going to be any good at all and i was just waiting to see i thought you know maybe this will be stupid or um, it's not stupid they did a really good job they also wove in stories about um North Korean refugees, which right. is, you know, people that had to walk across the militarized border. Well, they didn't go through the militarized border. They went through um, across the river to China, and it's freezing and everything. And really? Did they escape? Yeah. Wow. And it usually takes people multiple tries. And if you get caught once, you're in a prison camp. And Whoa. there's all kinds of really bad stories. And then once you get into China, there's a high likelihood that there's people waiting there to take advantage of you. Right. Especially because it's a lot of teenagers and God. mothers who go, and th- and then if that if that works out okay, you usually end up paying a broker that will take you all the way down to South China, you know, thousands of miles, wow. and then you have to come up through. Um, I think a lot of people go through Thailand and different places in um, Southeast Asia, and then you take a boat back up. Yeah. To Korea. Wow. It's just um, so- and then once you finally get to South Korea, actually South Korea has major infrastructure to um, accept and um, acclimate North Koreans. North Koreans. So that's the there's goal. A, there's these facilities because they have that the language, you. so they can go there and. Yeah. I mean, that's the goal for those refugees. So they have to yes. go through this whole roundabout. Yeah. They can't and just can pop across years. the border. Wow. Well, if they pop across the border, there's a there's like a mile of um, landmines yeah. and there's a sniper tower. Yeah. So it's no joke. Nobody really does that. And Donald that. Trump could be there giving a speech. Yeah. <laughs> DMZ with his all, buddy. Um, yeah, they're going to a basketball game together. Or yeah. <laughs> Who knows? So it's a long journey and people have some really, really sad stories. God, well, I just, I just, it's amazing. Like you do these things, you, you connect with people, give your energy, give your time and like just uh, share in the spirit with these people that need help. And it just seems so second nature for you. I don't know. Like I'm really lucky that I've found the right pl- people to work for that are able to offer me something that I feel is really meaningful. And yeah, is that something important to you to like to help to do to be active to be involved in helping people that are um, need help? It, no <laughs> I don't you want to say yes but well you got dragged into it <laughs> I wanted to say yes but in reality um, when I joined this dance company you just wanted to dance I was a yeah my previous I had worked for a lot of other dance companies and we would just put on shows and we work in the studio together and we try to make something that's artful and beautiful and then we present it and that's it 
and you do a little bit of outreach but it's not like this huge scale project aimed at you know disadvantaged youth all over the world um so before joining battery i was more on just thinking you know i I really just want to dance with a good group of people who is talented and put on great performances and they had this whole teaching thing that was developing at the same time and so but I immediately got really into it. I mean, it's hard not to. Well, if, mean, even if you think you don't like it or you think it's... Uh, once you're there, it's just, I don't know, you're interacting with so many people and it really affects you a lot. Sure. And also, you have to have some stamina and some some part of you, you know, can do that. You There's a part of your personality that is yeah. able to do that. You must have some compassion and some Oh, yeah. Energy. Well, and I mean, stamina. Yeah. Think of dancers. It's like... People have crazy stamina. Oh, yeah. People are treated rough in their training. It's not an easy route, and it's. You mean uh, in those when you if go you're on a those dancer, travel? you just have stamina. Oh, for sure. Otherwise, you already would have quit. Mm-hmm. For sure, it's not for the faint of heart, and right. there's no money in it, and it's a pretty stupid decision to go that way, um, unless you're just a super diehard, and a lot of people are, and a lot of people aren't. But yeah, um, it's a really people that are place. left in. In the dance world, yeah, you better love being in the yeah. studio and just doing it, practicing it. Otherwise, there's no reason. They're not you're not getting financially compensated, like for what your time is. Right. You're basically going to be starving artist. It's a period. W- one step up from being a poet. Yeah, <laughs> I know it's it's right there with painter poet kind of thing. Yeah. Um, long and and how does it training. affect how does it affect your music to be? To have that stamina from being a dancer? It gives you, I think, a real ambitious attitude. And um, Dancers are used to turning out a product multiple times per year. Yeah. Um, So that carries through. It's not, you know, I don't have the attitude of like, oh, yeah, whenever, man. Um, It's like, okay, need to make some songs, need to perform. We're used to performing. You have a work ethic. And you're used to performing and showing it. Yeah. that's true with dance. That's all there you is. You make a product. You make a th- there's a show that that is the product. And then you start right right away. You start on the next one. Right. Whereas with when you're a musician, you can kind of be like, I'm working on something, and it might not ever. Yeah. Come out. <laughs> I mean, I've gotten more. I mean, my my output of music isn't extremely fast either, but. But um, so I want to ask you. You have a record coming out, and it's coming out on vinyl. Yeah. When is that happening? Talk about it. That should be happening in February, I think. Um, I'm teamed up with the record label Gold Robot. They have some really nice artists and really thoughtful way of doing things. They're originally from Oakland, from East Bay, which is how I got in touch with them. Um, And now uh, the main guy is based in Boston. Cool. Yeah. And he's they're putting out your upcoming record yeah it's gonna be a 500 run of vinyl so i'm really excited about that yeah. to have my music on vinyl you know that's gonna be great that's great it's gonna be great so cool what's it called the record it's called a level lower a level lower yeah and in the meantime this fall i'm gonna be releasing a single and a music video oh cool kind of as you know the pre i love your videos album. You have some really nice videos. Oh, good. I'm Full glad, disclosure, I'm glad I worked on that. one of them. Yeah, I you... I had the good fortune of being yeah. involved in that one funny drone video, which I love. That was cool. That was really fun. I've never had the budget to work with a 
you know, big studio and crew and anything like that. But I try to be creative. Always super creative, yeah. Try to have fun with it. And that was a fun, that video that we made together that where I fun. basically was running around at the abandoned airfield that was great. And that by kid the rode beach. by on his bike and yeah. then he became part of the video and he was such a cool part of it. Yeah, and Pierre's um, flying his drone camera all around. Yeah. And yeah, there's a little kid riding circles around me for, you know, God knows why. Yeah. We're <laughs> yeah. in an abandoned airfield. It was really neat. And I was just dancing and having a good time and you have one where you're like in a cave or something it's so yeah cool. that's actually over at uh, on the campus of uc santa cruz mm. there's these i oh god i forgot what they're called but it's called maybe called watts caves anyway there's these mud caves and there's i think three chambers that you can crawl through and there's mud everywhere and there's people have made weird sculptures in there and Anyway, we filmed in the cave and kind of buried me up to my shins in the mud, so I kind of was able to lean and oh, I was do so. Wondering, I almost thought it was like CGI. I was like, "How is this happening?" No, we just um, that's cool. You're just stuck we just dug dug down, and then they stuck me in the mud and uh, hardened it around my that's great. shins, and then we did some weird filming so cool. with my friend um, Sean Galane, who makes good music videos and stuff he did a video for um black heart procession oh really oh cool yeah actually i was in one of those oh really Um, he needed a he needed a body to base animation on or something no no it's a silhouette though oh okay what's the song rats oh i gotta check it out it's cool yeah so from san francisco friends um cool help me make that that video and i don't know i have a bunch of other random stuff some people like them some people don't but yeah i like them i think it's about the spirit of it not always about the um ambition well i I, for me they were ambitious like no they are very ambitious for one or two people to you know make a video is always ambitious because it's hard yeah um no about the slickness of it i guess the production quality to me has been secondary although i do try for that too but they always look good, but that's the thing about a video these days. Like, you just put it out there, and it's part of your music, and it it can add to the way people get exposed to it. And yeah, it's, yeah, it's, fun. it's it is fun. I've had a lot of hard times making videos. There's always things that go wrong, or like when I crashed my drone. Yeah, didn't I crash that- it? Yeah, but I, I think we kept the footage. I kept the footage in the video. It was fine. It was like I, I think that was right when I got my drone. I did not know how to fly it, and I have to tell you, I've cr- I crashed it probably six times after that. It was like it takes a lot of it practice. Looks, it looks pretty difficult. Um, that actually, I thought that was kind of charming about it that the drone was would wobble or just zoom yeah. somewhere where you could tell it was unintentional. I thought that was kind of fun. You're a good sport. I've gotten much better at drone flying since then, but anyway. Yeah, there's always something. I'm always trying to recruit friends to do to help me with the videos for you know yeah. no money or low money, and so the, yeah, you know things super fun. Things turn out how they turn out. Um, I have to ask you a couple more political questions. Um, are you committed to voting? Do you like voting? I'm do you committed vote? to voting. Yeah, my dad's um, real into. Um, environmental groups that do political advocacy and stuff oh, and great. so i have that as a good example in my life and 
um, I've always he's sort a Texan. of been. Yeah, he's a Texan. He works on. Um, he call. Uh, they're called the Water Wars. Wow, what's that? The Water Wars are groups that are fighting with big developers that are um, taking out all the groundwater in Central Texas. There's a lot of water trapped in aquifers mm-hmm. underneath. Um, well, there's various aquifers. Do they do fracking in Texas? Because they do, but not in Central Texas. Okay, but that's sort of a side issue. But um, okay. it's still related. But right where um, we live in Central Texas, there's all this ancient underground water in the um, in the aquifers, mm. and so you can tap it and drain it. And once you do, though, it doesn't just fill right back up with rainwater. Right. It's been filtered and filtered and filtered, and it's way, way, way down. Yeah. And the developers are all trying to get, you know, their hands on it. And um, what for? Like to wa- just to to bring water to their developments. Oh, got it. And yeah. the, a lot of water gets shipped to San Antonio or other areas that are densely populated. And um, wow. so there's a lot. Of, there's always water court battles going on just to try to stave off the developers from seizing all your water. Where and. People that live in the country all have wells. My dad has a well, and there can be a time when all of a sudden the well might just be dry. We live in you know a country where we don't consider water um, a commodity. We consider it a free resource, but I think that's changing all over the earth, right? It's just becoming something that it people should. are going to fight for. And it should. To... It's extremely limited. Exactly. Yeah. Extremely limited. We're starting to figure that out. Yeah, and yeah, we, de- like we definitely take it for granted. That very well. <laughs> yeah, so that's the example, you know, is to that. That's in my mind that you, if you can and you care about something and you can help, then you should try. Mm-hmm. You should definitely vote. I mean, yeah. the thing with voting is it's so easy. It's right. like I can't go right down the street and right. color it in with a pencil. I right. mean, I can. <laughs> right. And I, I will. Oh, good. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> Something I ask people is where we are now, uh, what do you hope would be the best outcome in the next couple of years and what could be the worst outcome? Let's start with the worst because we want to end on a high note. Well, I mean, remember when we voted for Bush a second time? Yeah. And it just it seemed like seemed the end like, of the world. What? Yeah. How could that be? Yeah. How could that be? Well, that could happen. We could be stuck with Donald again. Yeah. For like, yeah. Yeah, I don't want to think beyond that because I'm sure that I could let my mind go into it. a really dark place. Well, the well, and also if you say what's the worst case scenario, there could be you know you environmental watch. apocalypse or something like that. And I'm choosing to um, Not, think that you know we can do our best at preservation efforts and be aware, and that we can maybe slow things down or. I don't know. I'm hoping that I'm having a child, so I'm right. I'm banking on things not being totally blowing up and you know insane, turning yeah. into a toxic wasteland. Yeah, um, that's right. That's what you got to do. And chances are, things always kind of swing to the middle. Is how I feel about life. It's like you think about the worst and the best, and it's always somewhere in the middle. But what's the best yeah. outcome politically? The best <laughs> outcome. Oh, that will have that will have a really great president next. Be great to have a woman. Yeah, it would. I don't know who exactly that would be, but um I think Yeah, who would it be? Do you have, is there anybody you like? Elizabeth Warren? Yeah, she seems great. I'm not um I don't research all the 
people Candidates. that are out there. And yeah. I'm not, you know, involved in such a detailed way, honestly. Right. So, yeah. But it, but just I mean, I thought idea. Bernie was great. And yeah. I know he's older and stuff. But I think there's definitely the chance that we could have a really honest and um, great leader. Yeah. And I future. think a woman would probably have a better chance of being <laughs> taking us in the right direction. I think we need possibly. Some I mean, there's some pretty terrible women politicians out sure, there too. Look at there's Susan some Collins. scary, scary people. So I, I won't say that it has to be a woman. But right, right. That's too easy. Yeah. But somebody nice. Somebody smart. Yeah. Somebody and smart. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> smart. Smart, especially. We've got the dumbest think... president we've ever had right now. Dumbest by far. Somebody who doesn't lie, so so that little little Senna can have a good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I outed you. I was listening. It's on our short list of names. It's nice. I like um, it. We'll we might see. choose that, but we might not. You don't but, have um, to. You don't even have to tell. I anybody. can call her whatever I want on any name, uh, any um, exactly. day that I want. I can call her something else tomorrow. Yeah. That's because she's still in there. So. Yeah, and she's just kind of cooking. <laughs> I'm in control right now. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> it's right. short. You can still call her anything you want the, once she's out. The time too. is ticking. You can give uh, your kids any kind of weird old nickname. We're gonna decide. <laughs> yeah, I will. I will probably pick a weird nickname. So. Oh, know. and let me. Actually, I want to ask you. Do you have any um, concerts coming up you want to talk about, or any other events or dance stuff that you're working I on? I don't. Just because I'm about I'm to have a baby. <laughs> totally blowing up here. Yeah, I, I'm yeah. not going to be able to do anything. I've been trying to get stuff done before this. Um, that's your next major I, release. That's my yes. <laughs> that's my next major release date. Uh, Speculated, but yeah, TBD. Uh huh. And then um, you've got your record coming out. Yeah, gold. I'm Gold Robot. And cool. I hope um, if I have a website, it's my name, miracook.com, and um, all my previous songs are on there and that could be streamed for free. And um, yeah. people can go check it people out. People can check can it out and your... they can hear my um, new hear album songs. when it comes out. It's going to be digital as well. So. And there's lots of videos and there's uh, information about all your dance stuff that you're doing, which yeah. is cool. And baby, she's actually she's been kicking it. me the whole time. Cool, she's <laughs> kicking. All right, well thanks, thanks Mira, thanks baby, thanks, thanks everybody. Pierre. All right, nice talking to you. Bye. Thank you for listening to Pierre Pressure Podcast. That was my guest Mira Cook. Next episode's guest will be Christian Gibbs. Please check out the website pierredeguyon.com for information about this podcast and my other musical projects thank you for listening see you next time and vive l'humanité